0: I think it's going to be a very active market this year, which I'll get into in a minute. You know, just the situation yesterday uh, with Kyle Rudolph, who not only has been an outstanding football player here and helped us win many games, but even more importantly, what he's done and what an impact him and his wife Jordan have had out in the community. He bought into
1: the organization. He feels like the organization bought into them, and, and he's right. When they drafted them, they didn't have, you know, a quote unquote need at tight end. Right. They they had, uh, you know, a, a pretty good set of tight ends. And, and, and he came in, uh, you know, knowing that the, that the organization valued him and he kind of paid them back.
0: Yo, what's going on, Vikings fans? Welcome to Vikings Vantage presented by Pepsi, the official soft drink of the Minnesota Vikings. My name's Gabe Henderson from the Vikings Entertainment Network alongside my co-host, Mr. Chris Corso. And today is going to be a loaded show for you guys today because it's been an eventful week here at the TCO Performance Center. The biggest news by far coming out of the TCO Performance Center is the announcement of the Vikings releasing 10-year veteran tight end Kyle Rudolph. We'll talk about that later in the show. But he meant so much to this community, Chris, and you had the opportunity to work alongside him five or six years. And now that he's gone, we know he's going to continue to play more in the NFL, but this is by far um, uh, a unique start to free agency, not only for the Vikings, but for the NFL.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable that you have to make a decision like this, because obviously Rick Spielman said it this week in his press conference on Wednesday, like he didn't want to see Kyle Rudolph go. Um, But with everything that's going on in the world and in the NFL, money is money and there's only a certain amount that you have to spend this offseason to build this roster. And and one of the casualties was one of the all-time Vikings fan favorites, Kyle Rudolph, who you can talk all about what he's done on the field from the game-winning touchdown in in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome in that big playoff game two years ago to the first touchdown pass at U.S. Bank Stadium that was caught in 2016. I can go down the list, Gabe, of the moments. Just the the duck duck gray duck at at Soldier Field when we beat the Bears on Monday Night Football. You can even go back to a a Pro Bowl MVP early on in his career. It's it's unbelievable, the moments. But what really stands out to me the most, and, and you'll hear this from... From Rick Spielman, you'll hear this, hear this from Mike Zimmer. From everyone in this building is what he was able to, to do off the field. Building uh, a Kyle Rudolph end zone in a children's hospital at the University of Minnesota. And obviously all the lives that he touched when it comes to cancer uh, patients and uh, children in the children's hospital. I remember when he got Sam Bradford to, to really be a part of this community uh, his first year here and bringing him over to the children's hospital once a week at the University of Minnesota like there's just things that that he was able to do and be the bridge from the old Vikings like John Sullivan and Adrian Peterson to the new Vikings um and Dalvin Cook and and Garrett Bradbury and, and guys like Irv Smith uh, so his presence will continue to be felt uh for generations to come that's for sure
0: For sure, off the field, he was a great human being on the field. He is the franchise leader for touchdown receptions for a tight end in Vikings history. And he penned a letter in the Players' Players Tribune announcing how grateful he was for his 10 years in Minnesota. And like I said, we know he's going to continue to play. We'll talk a little bit more about that letter later in the show. But we got Arif Hassan from The Athletic, Vikings beat reporter. He'll be joining us today to break down some of the biggest storylines for the Vikings this offseason heading into free agency. But before we get to all of the nitty gritty of the show, we begin our show in typical Vikings Vantage fashion with the best thing we saw this week. And Corso, the floor is yours.
2: Yeah, you brought up that letter in the Players' Tribune that Kyle Rudolph wrote, and I'm gonna, that's my best thing. I mean, how I mean, how much further are you gonna go from, from a letter that's literally written directly to the fans? Um, from, from the tight end, talking about his decade here uh, with the team and what it's meant for him uh, to really be a part of this community. We're going to talk about it later in the show with a reef, but uh, a guy from Cincinnati, Ohio, to just literally be like the face of the Minnesota Vikings and be so embedded in the community, um, it's just amazing what, what he was able to do. So if you if you can go check it out, if you're a Vikings fan, Go read that letter. I mean, if you don't get goosebumps or feel some sort of emotion, which I clearly did, uh, that's why it's my best thing this week. That you, you just—it's—it's it's worth reading. So go check that out. I really love the piece, and it—it uh, it really means a lot to to the Vikings fan base. The connection that Kyle Rudolph had with them.
0: Yeah, beautiful letter, man. Beautiful letter, and just seeing how Kyle. Uh, handled this entire situation like a pro. I think that's a, a testament to his character as a person and as a football player. And I hope wherever he goes, he wins a lot of games. Just not when he plays us. And I mean, he probably feels the same way. He's like, you, I know, I'm sure he's gonna have a chip on his shoulder, whichever team he goes to. If he plays the Vikings, he's gonna he's gonna to wanna to, you know, have a two or three touchdown game. But my best thing that I saw this week, it, it could be similar to last week with Bucky Brooks' uh, mock draft. Um, he released another mock draft, having Devontae Smith as the Vikings pick at 14, but that's not my best thing I saw this week. I'ma wait to talk about that with Arifa sign. The best thing I saw this week was the Vikings unrestricted and restricted free agents. This was very informative to me because there are a lot of guys on this list if Vikings fans do not know, starting with the quarterback position, Sean Mannion, he's an undrafted free agent. I know we still have Browning on the roster as well as Nate Stanley, who was drafted from Iowa last year in the 2020 draft. But the running back group, of course, Alexander Madison, Dalvin Cook and CJ Ham, they're all on the roster. But Amir Abdullah is, un- is unrestricted free agent. Mike Boone is a restricted free agent. Then moving to the wide receivers, Chad Beebe is the only restricted free agent on that list. And then when we move to the offensive line position, you got Dakota Dozier, Rashad Hill, and Brett Jones, all unrestricted free agents. That's the offensive side of the ball. That is seven guys on the offensive side of the ball that are free agents that played for the Vikings this past year. There's gonna be some decisions made uh, right there. Moving to the defensive side of the ball, you got Jalil Johnson and Afadio Denebo. They're free agents. Afadio Dinebo is a restricted free agent, though, so the Vikings can, you know, put a tag on him be- before letting him go. And then moving to the linebackers, you got three linebackers there. You got Hardy Nickerson, Eric Wilson, and and Davis right there, all unrestricted free agents heading into this offseason. And that is a a linebacker unit where we know. We had to use a lot of depth at that position last year with Anthony Barr and Troy Die, and then later in the year, Eric Kendrick's going down. So the, the mm-hmm. Vikings are going to have to figure out how they want to address that situation. And then last but not least, George Iloka and Anthony Harris are both unrestricted free agents. So that, that's the position group that the Vikings, they had to address last year. They franchise tag Anthony Harris uh, back in 2020. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can come to an agreement this offseason season. Um, But there are a lot of free agents and a lot of free agents that the Vikings will have to address uh, during this time this year that Rick Spillman and his guys are are going to have to get creative in doing so.
2: Yeah, I agree, Gabe. And getting creative is really what uh, stands out to me this time of year, because you heard it on Wednesday when when Rick addressed the media, he talked about how every year the Vikings have projected what the salary cap was going to be at Um, in the NFL. So they were projecting this off season for it to be much higher than it is at the 180 million um, that they currently have it projected at. Obviously it went down due to the COVID and the pandemic that the world is going through right now. So it's good. They're going to have to get really creative with what they're able to do and who they're able to afford going forward. You just ran through the list, Gabe. And I, I mean, it's pretty amazing that not only the Vikings, but all these Teams in the NFL are going through the same exact problem. So what's going to happen? There's going to be a lot of players out there that you might be able to get for a bargain here or there um, at each position. So this might be one of the most interesting free agent periods that you'll see in your life
0: um, as an NFL
2: fan. So I, I mean, I'm excited for it, but I also
0: am. I don't know. I'm, I'm biting your fingernails. You biting your fingernails to see which guys are going to be here and not.
2: I'm ca- I, I'm cautiously optimistic. That's what I'll oh, go with God. for now.
0: And I mean, speaking of cautious optimism, we're, we're going to need it because the, the salary cap, man, like you said, the salary cap is going to affect pretty literally everything, every single move that happens this offseason with it being uh, so low this year. But without further ado, let's bring in Arif Hassan from The Athletic, who is going to be talking about some of the biggest storylines for the Vikings this offseason. And our guest, from the athletic his name is Arif Hassan he joins us today and Arif I'm so excited to talk to you about Vikings football but before we get started for Vikings fans who don't know you who is Arif Hassan and what do you do with the athletic
1: yeah um yeah I've I've been covering the Vikings for a while now it's hard to keep track you know seven eight nine years Uh, and uh uh, you know, I just recently moved to the Athletic a couple of years ago, uh, covering the Vikings for them. I also do a little bit of national work. I do a little bit of draft coverage for them, uh, and I don't know. It's just been a blast. I've I've been through a, a bunch of the a bunch of the crazy Viking seasons that we've experienced here.
0: And it's all, and it's only going to get crazier this off season, right? I mean, this is arguably the oh yeah off season that we have seen in recent memory. So I guess for starters, right? How realistic with the salary cap being the way it is, how realistic is it that the Vikings will make a big splash in free agency this year? Yeah, I wrote a recent article
1: about, you know, if they make a splash, who are the players they might target? And obviously there's a bunch of tantalizing names on there. People who have even, you know, done a little bit of damage against the Vikings too that, you know, maybe you can convince them to come over. But yeah, honestly, it's not that realistic at all. The Vikings are, are you know, well-known to be a little bit over the cap. They've already had to make a couple of really tough moves uh, in order to get back under the cap. So I, I just don't know um, that they'll be able to do it. There is a pathway to do it. You know, you have to be very careful Um, But you make a lot of sacrifices along the way. I don't know if the Vikings are kind of willing to do that. I don't even even know if it's wise to do that. So, you know, I'd say this is kind of, for the Vikings, probably an offseason where they're going to try and make a bunch of Uh, You know, value moves, try and make sure that they can find as many players on the market that are being undervalued by the rest of the market, give them a chance to earn a little bit of extra money when the cap kind of frees up again. Maybe a couple of one-year contracts, I expect we'll see a lot of those in this year's free agency, just because players also know that the cap is going to go up after this. And so they want to hit the market again. So there's there's a lot of opportunities to find um, bargain bin, uh, kind of prove it years for players.
3: We we're talking before the uh, before the show here, and it's crazy. You've been covering the Vikings for like eight or nine years now, probably longer than that when it comes to just blogging about the Vikings uh, growing up locally here around the area. But uh, you've seen a lot of Kyle Rudolph's ten year decade yeah. career with the Minnesota Vikings. so uh, what what was it like covering him and and how crazy is it to see him go? Uh, it's almost like he's like Mr. Minnesota at this point. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. You, sometimes you forget that he's like from like Cincinnati, right? Like yeah. he's, 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 he's a, he's a, I said that, like, it's crazy. You forget that he was like, not from here. He's not uh, a local because I mean, he's embedded himself in the community. Like you yeah, know. embedded is the, is the perfect, it was the word I was just about to people, use. Yeah. He, people I mean, think he's, he's Adam Fielding. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You know, he might
1: as well have grown up in Detroit Lakes. You know, he's uh, he's he's made the community a huge priority here in Minnesota, and and that's been um pretty evident. I mean, he he started out making sure that that he could make an impact in the community it was one of his priorities when he came in in 2012. So, um, you know, he bought into the organization. He feels that like the organization bought into them, and, and he's right. When they drafted him, they didn't have you know a quote unquote need at tight end, right? They they had. Uh, you know, a, a pretty good set of tight ends. And and, and he came in, uh, you know, knowing that the that the organization valued him and he kind of paid them back. Um, you know, he's he's been really, you know, fantastic cover. I remember, you know, drafting him, I think what was it, his second year uh, in the NFL, my, uh, my fantasy league, knowing that he was probably going to be a big touchdown guy. And I think mm-hmm. he got like 12 touchdowns that year. So I've always had a pretty positive association with him uh, since then. But, you know, he's always provided kind of a unique piece, both on the field in terms of what he can do, really great on third down, really great in the red zone. And then I, I think, you know, is tremendously just kind of off the field. You know, the stuff that he was able to do, um, especially with the Children's Hospital, just incredible stuff.
0: Well, I guess with that move, all eyes point to Erskine Jr. and Tyler Conklin. So with their unique skill set, do you think this offense will try to tailor that? Well, you think it'll be more spread out now that Urson Jr. can be more flexible? Uh, Kyle Rudolph couldn't, you know, he couldn't do as much mobility-wise that Erskine right. Jr. could do
1: yeah, no, that, that's going to be an interesting question. I think it really depends on whether or not they they invest more in a third tight end so that they can have a backup if they decide to do two tight end stuff or if they invest very seriously in another wide receiver so that they can do, you know, kind of spread stuff a little bit, you know, uh, more capably. And there's a bunch of players, especially um, hitting the free agency market that i have worked with Keenan McCardell. Um, so there's a connection that they can make and maybe be able to grab a couple of these, you know, really nice players that can round out a roster. Uh, and 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 they could go either direction. I think that there's a really good argument. I mean, we've seen a bunch of really good two tight end offenses over the years uh, from a bunch of different teams. We know that three wide receiver is something that's becoming you know pretty in vogue. Uh, and so whichever way they can do it, but I th- I think that they want to go in the tight end direction because I think they really like the flexibility of having players on the field that no matter what play you call, you know they'll be able to execute it. Irv Smith's a really good blocker. Uh, you know Tyler Conklin has improved pretty dramatically since he entered uh, the NFL as a blocker, and so. So, you know you go out there you see a look that you don't like you you change from a pass to a run and you know that that play is going to be executed pretty well i think they really like that flexibility so i think that they'll stick with the two tight end stuff especially given you know the last five games of the season how well tyler conklin performed you know i think 30 games uh 30 yards a game uh in in those last five games you know really incredible stuff uh for for a guy that you know drafted in the late rounds you know didn't have a ton of opportunity just because of the talent ahead of him um to make a big impact and now um, I don't think they'd be able to make the Kyle Rudolph move if they didn't trust Tyler Conklin, much less, of course, Irv Smith, who's got a ton of speed. Um, again, like I said, he's a really great blocker um, and he could be a really great weapon. The ways they used him at Alabama were incredible. I mean, he was a, an end run guy, even though they had some really fantastic, you know, really fast receivers. Um, you know, he was an arc blocker. He did H back stuff. I mean, just a ton of stuff. It lined up at wide, lined up in slot, lined up in line, lined up as a fullback sometimes. So th- there's all kinds of stuff they can do with Irv Smith. And I think that they're, you know, uh, really excited to get some of that stuff going.
3: I want to get into free agency for sure, as we kind of let off the show. But I think you, this just perfectly transitions into uh, the Quinn Kubiak offense because you were talking about all the different things that you can do with these tight ends, and obviously the Vikings have had kind of a carousel when it comes to the offensive coordinator coaching position um, with this team over the years. You've been here, you've seen it from North Turner to <laughs> Pat Shermer, uh, all the different coaches that that we've had at that position. So. In your opinion, what is a Clint Kubiak offense? What does it look like? Uh, what's the run to pass ratio? How's he using the tight ends? I, I want, I want it all, man. <laughs>
1: I wish I had a crystal ball. It's always difficult to tell yeah. uh, with uh, with somebody who hasn't uh, had a ton of experience at the position before. But I think you know part of the reason. That uh, you know, they they stayed in house when they when they signed Stefanski, they stayed in house with with uh, Gary Kubiak, and now they stay in house with Link Kubiak because I think um, they they like what they're going to get. They know what they're going to get, and um, you know that is uh, something that they they've come to value a lot when they you know have to find another <laughs> offensive coordinator because they keep on you know getting hired out or or, or finding kind of other things that they need to do. So um, I, I think that we're probably not going to see a significant change. Obviously, the terminology is going to be the same, but I think from a you know philosophical play calling. Perspective, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw you know a little bit more pass happy stuff. I know that uh, that Gary tried to to throw the ball a little bit more at the beginning of the season. Knew that the team was a little bit more. Uh, geared towards a, a run uh, for uh, offense. And so that's kind of what they they stuck with. And that worked out a little bit better for them. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if if Clint is going to attempt to kind of feel out what the offense is going to be good at and attempt to, to focus on that. But I think at the start, I wouldn't be shocked if we saw a little bit more uh, in terms of throwing the ball around a little bit more in terms of seeing what a three wide receiver set can do, just because we know, you know, what a two tight end set can do. We know what a run heavy offense can do. And kind of the more you can do, uh, the, the more you'll be able to have answers in the playoffs, you know, come come that time. So I think we'll see a little bit more in terms of, of throwing the ball around. I think we'll see a little bit more in terms of, you know, kind of lighter personnel out there to be able to throw the ball a little bit more efficiently. But I think for the most part, it's going to be the same kind of base offense. And, you know, it was a really good offense last year. So you, you don't want to really mess with it too much.
0: Yeah. Top five running offense. I mean, Dalvin Cook, he can pretty much do everything and for Clint Kubiak, a guy that started out with wide receivers, moved to the quarterback position and now is the O C. You got Andrew Junoco who coached the receivers and now he's the quarterback's coach. You would think there'd be a more of an affinity to to pass the ball, right? Just from the knowledge of their background, would you think?
1: Yeah, I, I think that, you know, given kind of the experience that they've had, that that's going to be appealing to them and, and it's going to be something that they're much more comfortable with. But I think when you've got somebody like Rick Denison with you on the offensive line, you can help coordinate your run game. You know, you always want to lean on somebody who's got a little bit more experience than you. And I think that that interplay, that that kind of relationship that they have, you know, a lot of times offensive line coaches are run game coordinators in effect. And I think being able to kind of lean on some of the more experienced players in the building or the more experienced coaches in the building um, will allow you to. To kind of construct a game plan that's going to be a little bit more balanced, anyway. So, yeah, for sure, I, I absolutely think that they're going to they're going to lean on that passing game just because it's something they're comfortable with. But I don't think they're they're ever going to get too far away from it because of the the people that they have relationships with them building, and sure. because of what they know works for sure.
3: Yeah, I think it works when you give Justin Jefferson the ball just about as much. As <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, do that <laughs> as much as possible. will be fine. That, that's for sure. But um, looking at the the tough decision with Kyle Rudolph and and obviously what's coming up here in free agency. What do you think is going to be the hardest decision for the Vikings front office when it comes to either bringing a player back or deciding to part ways um, with that player? What's the toughest decision for Rob Brzezinski coming up? I think the toughest one is Riley Reef. I mean,
1: uh, Rick Spielman's right. He, he's coming off of the best year i've ever seen not just in a vikings uniform i think it's the best year that, that reef has ever had uh and and the unfortunate you know reality is that his cap number is is remarkably high they do have a number of players that you know personally i think are better fit at tackle than they are you know elsewhere along the offensive line and so when you've got a player that you drafted in the second round in ezra cleveland that can play tackle when you, you're thinking about maybe even brown and neil is is so talented maybe we want him at left tackle um riley reef is 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 definitely you know he's made his chops as a tackle you don't want to kind of waste the talent that he has by putting him uh, at another position. Um, y- you have to make those difficult decisions. And you know, that, that Cleveland is somebody that, that you think can develop into that kind of guy. And you have to figure out, Hey, you know, we, we saw a really great year from Riley Reef. He was our most consistent offensive lineman. You know, what are we going to get if if we decide to move on from him and, and move Ezra Cleveland and, and attempt to focus on, you know, bolstering the, the interior offensive line? That's going to be tough. At the same time, you know, a $15 million cap hit is in, in this particular specific cap environment is a little bit untenable. And it's a decision they made when they decided to extend him uh, in order to make some room uh, for the Nii-Kangakwe trade, which is, you know, a, a tough decision to make then too. Um, so, you know, the Vikings have had issues along the offensive line for every year. I've covered them for a decade now, uh, and, and it's going to be tough to, to make a move that might make that offensive line worse. But the, because of the realities of the cap, you know, might also be necessary. I mean, obviously, if they can extend them and restructure them, et cetera, that might be ideal. But at that point, you are kicking the can down the road and they've done a lot. And they're kind of dealing with that with that right now.
3: Another
0: thing, you you talked about Rick's press conference. Another thing Rick said is he expects some of the bigger name guys to still get some of those big name contracts. It's that middle area, those guys who aren't the superstar level, those guys trying to figure out what their future, what what lies for their future. So my question for you is do you expect less teams to to make less, do you expect teams to make less moves in free agency this year?
1: I think it we're, they're going to have to make more because I think that we're going to see so many players hit the free agency market that huh. they're going to have to go back into it in order to kind of fill out their roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, teams will have to be aggressive about you know acquiring players or even reacquiring players that they have to let go. And again, I, I think it'll mostly be you know, one-year contracts just because players will want to hit free agency again after they kind of prove the kind of talent that they have. So we'll see, I think, a lot of movement. I think I saw one player call it a bloodbath that's gonna, that's going to come because sure. of the cap situation so yeah there's going to be a, a lot of names changed on the backs of a lot of jerseys uh and, and so i think that that's what we're going to see uh, it's just not going to be the mega deals that we're used to seeing usually when we, we say hey it's an active free agency you know somebody signed a hundred million dollar contract to become the highest paid player at their position we're probably not going to see too much of that we're probably not going to see a ton of mega deals with a ton of guaranteed money um, even a player as established as J.J. Watt signed a two-year deal, right, with $23 million guaranteed, and that second year is, is not, you know, completely guaranteed. The Cardinals can kind of let go. Um, I'm sure, you know, Watt has, a, has a, a player option that he might be able to avoid as well. Um, you know, these are the kinds of deals that I kind of expect, you know, that, that players will want to be able to hit uh, the market back again soon, and teams will need to be able to recoup their losses for making all the moves they need to uh, in order to account for the changing cap environment.
3: So you were at Rick Spielman's press conference on Wednesday this week, and obviously there was a lot discussed. It was about a (laughs) uh, a 28-day long press conference. It's normally the one that you guys do uh, at the NFL Combine, which obviously didn't take place this year. But my biggest question for you is what's your biggest takeaway from Rick? I mean, I feel like we're in uncharted waters here when it comes to just the NFL offseason and all the changes that are going on. So uh, what was your biggest takeaway from from that 28-minute press (laughs) conference?
1: Well, I think it's the one that kind of led all the headlines. You know, the you know the Kirk Cousins is our quarterback, which you know you you see GM say that a lot about the quarterbacks that they have on the roster. There's been a lot of speculation this offseason whether or not Kirk could become a trade asset. You know, I think there have been a couple of really uh, you know interesting trade scenarios that have been floated around. Um, but you take a look at some of the pressers that people have had about the quarterbacks on the roster before they've traded them. You take a look at, for example, the Jared Goff presser, the Matthew Stout, or I should say, you know, the less need presser and and so on um, about those quarterbacks. And they weren't nearly as, you know, committed to the quarterback that they currently had on the roster. You know, I think famously, you know, the Jared Goff court, but you know, that was like, yeah, he's currently a quarterback that is on a roster that is accurate. You know, it was very non-committal. but I think that, you know, the, the, uh, Spielman was, was very clear about it. He didn't just say Kirk is our quarterback. He repeated the phrase, and then he talked about how excited he was uh, to go ahead into the season with Kirk. I think that it's just very true that they're very committed to having Cousins on the roster. And, you know, all the rumors about the uh, Kirk Cousins' trade were coming from, you know, the perspective of other teams. You know, X team is interested in Kirk Cousins. I don't think we heard a single rumor that the Vikings were, were interested in, in dealing Kirk, or even that they were picking up the phone. And I think this kind of confirmed a lot of that the Vikings are committed, and they'll have to— to be because on March 19th, uh, his 2022 salary becomes fully guaranteed. And so, you know, if they buy in, they buy in now because they can't make a move later um, without, you know, doing some, some pretty serious damage to, to, you know, their salary cap situation.
0: Well, that's one less move Rick Spillman has to make, but Rick Spillman has to make a move in the draft at number 14. And I was reading your article, the, the co-article that you did with Ben Standick, who works for the athletic for the Washington football team and at 14 you guys were somewhat talking about what Bucky Brooks had to say about that pick. Bucky Brooks has Devonte Smith from Alabama as the Vikings pick at 14. So if you are Rick, <laughs> if you if you are Rick, if Devonte Smith is at that 14th spot, are you taking him or are you trading back?
1: I mean, if if Devonte Smith is as valued by the rest of the NFL as he is by the draft community, I'm, I'm picking up the phone. I want to see what uh, how other teams are valuing him because okay. if someone like him or Jamar Chase or Kyle Pitts falls to 14, which is possible, but they are all elite game changers, it seems like. Um, I want to see what the value... I'm not necessarily automatically trading back, but if someone is offering me you know, a couple of firsts, you know, the first this year and a first next year, which, you know, we saw the Saints do that for Marcus Davenport, for the Packers, yeah. right? You yeah. know, it is possible that they'll offer to trade up with an, an additional first for a non-quarterback, uh, given the talent of the players I just mentioned. And I, I would do that if, if that's something that they're offering. But if, if the trade isn't blowing me away, um, I think there's a ton of value in grabbing another first-round receiver. I mean, not just because I mean, you can go into 11 personnel and uh, be just much more effective uh, in in that situation. You've got you know critical backup um, to, you know wide receiver depth has just been a problem for the Vikings. I don't think it would be in this situation. You've got a critical backup that you need in that situation. And not only that, you know, we talk about, you know, offensive line problems, but really pressure is a team issue. If no one is open, that's going to cause pressure. If you can't get rid of the ball quickly, that's going to cause pressure. If you've got three receivers on the field that all have, you know, I know I know, Adam Thielen was a was a tryout, but essentially all have first-round talent. If you've got three receivers on the field that are all like that, yeah. someone's going to get open. It's very difficult to feel three corners that have the ability to stop. I mean, that's what Dallas was thinking, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and if you get rid of the ball quickly, Um, or if if someone's always going to be open for you, or if you've always got a hot rod available to you off of Blitz, that can help deal with your pressure problem too. So you can solve some of these problems in a different direction. And I think if you've got a talent as, as significant as you know Devonte Smith or, or or Chaser Pitts, you know that's something that that I would explore despite how you know well stocked you are. And I'm I'm a huge you know probably draft your needs guy. I'm a, I'm a huge needs guy, right? But mm-hmm. and, and this isn't a need, but I do think that that is something where you kind of want to break your rules a little bit to make sure you've got as much talent in the building as possible. And um, you know with Justin Jefferson, Devonte Smith, you've got receivers that'll be good for the next decade. I mean, maybe Adam Thielen turns into a Jerry Rice. That'd be really cool, but um, you do have to worry about the fact that, you know, he's, he's entering this season. He's going to turn 31, I think in August. uh, And, and you're not going to get probably a decade out of him. And so uh, having another receiver kind of step up and take that role without a ton of pressure, you know, the same pressure that Justin Jefferson had. Now you don't have to put that in anyone else. I think there's value in it. I think it's pretty unlikely. And the first thing I do is I pick up the phone, but
0: there's a reason you would do it. Or style offense 2021. I like
3: it. <laughs> I mean, adding another national champion like you did in Justin Jefferson with the one receiver, <laughs> I think the connection there might work if you got both those guys um, for Kirk Cousins to throw the ball to. But um, that leads me perfectly into my last question, and that's if you're on the clock at number 14, we've talked about the needs. I, I mean, I think I would go past rusher, but I want to know what position you're going with. Maybe throw a name or two out there. I mean, I, I, I would really like the Vikings to trade back. Honestly, I think that that's wow. the, the primary
1: thing because getting that second round pick is going to be uh, huge. Um, you know, Spielman mentioned how much uncertainty there is this offseason without the combine, without the interviews, and you have to rely on digital interviews. Um, and, and that uncertainty is going to mean that some, some players with a little bit of ambiguity in their profiles are going to fall. And you want to have the assets to be able to take advantage of some players that you really like that are going to fall for one reason or the other. Um, so that's something that I I would primarily look at, but if a a bunch of other teams are thinking about trading down, then you're not going to get good value. So if the Vikings are kind of forced to pick at that spot, um, I'd like to see if either Rashawn Slater or Christian Darrisaw you know, make it to that, you know, point. You know, I, I've seen some mocks where, you know, either one of those two will go at five because Penny will went at two. Like, yeah. it, these are really good tackles. I mean, it's, it's not exactly quite as good as the first round tackle class from last year, but it's quite good. Uh, and so I, I think that um, that's something that you want to get invested in. Um, but I think primarily, you know, those edge rushers and defensive tackles, you might, might want to target a little bit more just because in the rest of the draft, in the second and third rounds, those players aren't nearly as proliferate as you do have at guard and tackle. You've got some really good, talented guards, tackles, wide receivers and safeties um, in, uh, in, in the second, third and fourth rounds. You don't really have that at defensive tackle and you kind of don't have that at edge rusher. So if Christian Barmore is there at 14, I'd be pretty excited about that. Um, out of all of these really uh, talented first round edge, uh, edge rushers that we've got, you know, with Pay and Gregory Rousseau, possibly Jalen Phillips, possibly, you know, Azizo Jolari from, from Georgia. I think I like Pay the most just from a, a traits perspective, you know, and none of these guys were you know, super um, productive, but they've all got a bunch of these traits that, that, you know, people from, from the Vikings tend to love great athletes, really explosive. They tend to, you know, emphasize explosion more than anything else. Then Quidipe also has just this remarkable agility and, and a lot of fight, you know, he's got a ton of hustle. And I think that they love, you know, that kind of stuff, um, you know, in the Vikings building. And I, I think giving someone like Quidipe to Andre Patterson, Um, would would lead to a ton of great, and he wouldn't even have to start right away. I mean, they just signed Stephen Weatherly. They've got, um, you know, Fedia Adenabo. They've got, you know, DJ Wanam. They've got Kenny Willikis, a bunch of players that can compete for a rotational or a starting spot that might make introducing
0: that first-round edge rusher um, a little bit easier. Well, we have talked about a lot of topics in this podcast so far, so I'm going to end it with this. With everything that we have talked about, with how the Vikings can build the future and build for right now, what is your way to early 2021 Vikings prediction? Oh,
1: man. I mean, this is a team I can see them basically do anything. Um, but I, I think that by default right now, they're the second team in the division and hopefully they can overtake and, and become the best team in the division. Um, I think my way too early prediction is that they find a way to get that wild card spot that was eluding them um, okay. this last year. That probably means 10 wins. So Uh, I I think that the defense is going to get a lot better because the biggest issue with the defense was the lack of experience among all the new players that that became starters. That's not going to be as big a problem. And so now I think that you've got an opportunity um, to become um, a a playoff worthy defense to go with that really excellent offense. Love it. Love it.
0: Arif Hassan, we appreciate your time today.
3: Thanks, man.
0: Thanks for having me. That is Arif Hassan from The Athletic. Vikings fans, thank you again for tuning in to another episode of Vikings Vances presented by Pepsi. We will be back again in two weeks. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, and most importantly, skull.